episode 155, Three Ways to Recruit Rockstars. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. Each and every week, we are joined by the Game Changers' Jason Jennings, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, best-selling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, reinvention. And today, we welcome author Jeff Hyman, whose new book, Recruit Rockstars, the 10-step playbook to find the winners and ignite your business. Jason, it is always great to be with you. And Jeff, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to be here. So I'm thrilled. And I guess that, uh, Dale, I guess Jeff and I actually met a number of years ago when I was speaking in the event. What was the event again, Jeff? It was a it was a conference that a private equity firm I worked at, Sterling Partners, was doing. Yes. And you were the keynote speaker. And uh, first time I had come across your books, and I, I've read every single one since. Great. Thank you very much. We are absolutely delighted to have you. I, I know how hard it is to come up with a great title, but the title of the book, Recruit Rockstars, the 10-step playbook to find the winners and ignite your business. I saw the title and I went, yeah, we have to have this guy. On. Uh, Dale, let me uh, let me tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about Jeff. Uh, he cut his eye teeth in, in the recruiting business at Heydrick and Struggles and Spencer Stewart, uh, big, big names. Today, he's chief talent officer at Chicago based strong suit executive search and along the way he created four companies and currently teaches a, a course at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management and hosts the five-star strong suit podcast so all of that being said that's about you Jeff one of the questions I always like to ask is take a couple of minutes uh, those are your accomplishments um, tell us the story of your journey and a little bit about you so the story of my journey uh I guess I would define as an entrepreneur. I uh, started my first business when I was 13, got a TRS-80. Remember Radio Shack used to yes. make computers they, yes. before Apple? Yeah. And um, something about it just clicked, and I was a nerd, a geek, um, you know, and I started my first company developing mailing lists for small retailers. And so I was 13. I'd go in. My voice hadn't changed yet. Hi, I'm Jeff Hyman. I'm going to sell you a mailing list. And uh, started a couple companies in high school. Long story short, um, I just think entrepreneurship and building an organization, helping people uh, develop and become everything they can and, and, and figure out what their gift is, because I think everyone has one. If you can help people harness it, as a team, you're unstoppable. And I just think that's so cool. Entrepre- you can do that at big companies. I just think entrepreneurship is such a pure sense with a blank piece of paper. Um, and so I've started four companies. Uh, now in Chicago, I do executive search for private equity and, and venture capital portfolio companies. Um, and as you mentioned, I teach at Kellogg uh, you know, on my, my uh, night times. And, and so the searches that you're doing uh, for private equity firms, are, are you looking for the top dog in those companies or are you looking for other talent? It's chief level or VP level. So usually the head of marketing, head of sales, head of technology, CFO, someone at the top table uh, that really can make an impact on, on the business. 
Jeff, let me let me begin by asking you this uh, question. Uh, for 60 to 80 speeches every year, uh, I talk to 800 to 1,000 CEOs and high-level executives uh, at those companies to find out about the organizations. And one of the questions I always ask is, uh, well, once I've gained their trust and we've had the conversation, I know that they're going to be open and responsive. I ask the question, what's keeping you awake at night these days about the business? And invariably, for the past several years, in every single conversation I have, people say, the biggest problem we've got, what keeps me awake at night, is recruiting and retaining the right talent. I mean, we just have not cracked the code on this one. And so my question is, how bad at recruiting rock stars are most companies? Well, I think they're pretty bad to be very candid. I, I think there's two issues. One is, you're right. It has never been. It hasn't been this hard to recruit in a long time. Right. We're at record low or close unemployment, four point one percent for college-educated knowledge workers. It's about two percent. So we are at full employment. Right. And rock stars, which I define as top five percent people, are hard to find anyway. But right now they're all working. So you need to pull them out of what they're doing, get them to pay attention to your message, and get engaged. And on the other hand, I think you're right. Most companies stink at recruiting. There's a lot of reasons for that. It's no one's fault. But a big part of it is that they don't have a recruiting or talent mindset, a talent pipeline. You need to always be recruiting. It's just like always be selling. Um, what most companies do is just-in-time hiring. So they're busy, they're busy, busy. Oh, we need a controller. We need a product manager. We need a sales rep. They scramble. They try to recruit. And that's it's hard to do it that way. If you have a great pipeline and you're always recruiting, it's much easier. So there's a lot of reasons people are bad, but but they're pretty bad. Let me ask you this question. I remember an early mentor and boss of mine said, he said, we don't have any jobs available here. He said, but we sure have lots of opportunities for the right people. Uh, does, that, does that tie into the pipeline that you're talking about? It is so hard to find a rock star that when you do, who fits your culture, who you think can add value, you make room for them. You create a role for them, and they will almost instantly cover their cost and, and return on investment. It's it's such a high return on investment. It's higher than launching new products, launching new geographies, getting a rock star. Again, top 5% people. These are people who are 2 or 5 or 10 times more effective and productive than the average performer. So they are game changers. Unfortunately, they're super hard to find. So when you find one, you grab them. There's this line that uh, it's it's biologically incorrect, but it's it's used a lot in business. Fish rot from the head first. I Absolutely. mean, basically every yep. problem lands in the lap of the man I, or the woman. Yeah, who's, I who's, say uh, I say fish stinks from the head down. Okay, right? all right. I mean the exact same thing. So who has to take ownership of? We're not very good at recruiting and retaining rock stars. Who, where, where does that awareness have to occur? Does it occur on the part of the head of HR and talent, or does it have to occur in the mind of the CEO, the person running the enterprise? Yeah, surprisingly, the answer is neither. Jason, mm. it has to start at the board level. Oh, wow. When you have a board that cares about talent and understands that it is the only remaining differentiator for a company. Technology is gone as a differentiator, the flattened level playing field. Brand and marketing is virtually impossible to build. You can't get people's attention. 
if the board doesn't care about talent, if they're not doing annual talent reviews, drilling on the CEO about their talent pipeline, employee turnover, the crappy ratings they have on Glassdoor.com, then then the CEO, by definition, is not spending time thinking about it. And then the rest, as you said, stinks from the head down. Yes. So at the end of the day, the CEO is the chief recruiter and should be focused on it. But I have found, sadly, that unless her or his board doesn't get it and is not engaged doing skip-level reviews, meeting with the team, et cetera, then you're probably not a talent-focused organization. So what does this mean, too? There are uh, 22,000 publicly traded companies in the world, about roughly 11,000 in the United States. But there are, of course, millions and millions of businesses that are not publicly traded companies. Yep. So let's say that you're an entrepreneur and you own a – I saw a cement truck a couple of hours ago go by. Yep. And so you own a, a medium-sized uh, 100, 150 employees and, and you pour cement and you and you create some what, – what, what, what do you have – and it's a family-owned enterprise. Yep. What do you have to do? Ha- have an outside board of advisors who, who develops this recruiting mindset? Anything you can do to set up a team of talent scouts that refer and are always looking for great talent and bring it into the company like a, like a magnet, like a black hole sucks in talent is immensely helpful. Because, again, a small cement mixing company, they can't always be out there talking to candidates. But if you have a, a team of talent scouts bring in talent, it can be immensely helpful. But to your point earlier – If the CEO doesn't get it, if the CEO doesn't say to himself or herself, I'm committed to spending 30 to 50 percent of my time on this stuff, and I call that the people part of the business, talent, retention, et cetera, if they're only focused on selling, only focused on raising money, only focused on branding, marketing, they'll never build a talent machine. And then people say to me, well, where where the hell am I going to find 30 to 50 percent of my time? My answer is you're already spending it. But you're spending it on the back end, micromanaging and babysitting the B and C players that you've settled for. So rather than managing on the back end, wouldn't you rather switch it to the front end where you don't have to micromanage, you don't have to motivate, you don't have to babysit people, and it's the same amount of time. This just fits in so nicely with all the research that my, my research teams and I have done because we say they have to be spending about 50% of their time on culture. Yeah, well, I'll time. tell you what, if they spend 50% of their time on culture and 50% of their time recruiting, guess yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, the rest would take care of itself. Uh, the, the rest would absolutely take care of itself. I'm right. going to give Dale a chance to ask you a couple of, uh, of, of questions. And then what we're going to get to, I recall doing a radio interview with someone once, and it wasn't Dale. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was for one of my new books that had come out. And the guy took me through all ten chapters. And at the end, at the at, at the end of the interview, I thought, "Hell, nobody's got to buy the book now." <laughs> and so, you, your book has the ten secrets, the yeah. the ten key secrets in the playbook. I'm going to ask you to talk about three of them, but first, I want to give Dale an opportunity to jump in here. Happy to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the book. Let's go to your comment about Glassdoor. And yep. reviews, and we can. And this all ties together because Jason and I spend so much time on this podcast talking about culture, but it's really creating that foundation for a, a company to go out and recruit. What role? You know, let's talk about the role that culture plays and how important online reviews are. Not about the products and services and customer service that a company has, but about its culture and how recruits yep. are looking at that. 
it's incredibly important. It's the first place that candidates now look, especially millennials. So just for definitions for your, for your viewers, Glassdoor is one of a number of websites, glassdoor.com, that basically provide, it's a Yelpification of employee satisfaction. So they can go online, they can post it anonymously. So some of it, it probably isn't true, but most of it usually is. And it says the CEO's a clown, you know, this is the culture's cancerous, this is the best place to work, whatever. So candidates, this is the number one place they now look. And it ain't going away. So you need to understand your Glassdoor ratings. You need to encourage but not pay or solicit or bribe your employees who are happy to tell the story because it is a recruiting tool. And you need to dig out the bad reviews and understand what's causing them. So look in the mirror, some tough self-love, and understand why am I getting poor reviews as, as much as I think I'm communicating, you know, until the 10th time you say it, no one hears it and all those kinds of things. So you need to acknowledge the problem. It ain't going away. Um, you go to Glassdoor and try to get them to remove a negative review. They will not. So you need to deal with, you know, deal with the information. But it's to your point, it's incredibly powerful as a recruiting tool when you've built a great place to work, when you've got great Glassdoor reviews, when people can scroll through and say, wow, people love working here. Your phone rings off the hook with candidates that want to come work there because the vast majority of American workers are so disenfranchised with their job. They're always looking. So they're working. But they're always open to an opportunity, especially from a highly rated company. Okay, so I'm waiting for it. I I want to get three secrets from the playbook. All I'll right, you, so yeah, sure, yeah sure. that's that's all we're going to ask for, and then we're going to tell everybody to go out and buy your book. I'll give you some secrets. I don't know if they're secrets, but I can tell you that this is where most people screw up. How about that? That's right. Okay. That's what we want to hear. Okay. The first one is. Uh, most executives focus on things that are not predictive of success. So they focus on a candidate's education. Well, they went to Harvard. They went to Stanford. They went to Yale. They've got to be smart. And that's true. They probably are smart because uh, they have amazing institutions. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're right for your company or your specific job. Uh, what companies they worked for, what titles they had, what their compensation was, all things that are not predictive of success. What is most predictive of success is someone's DNA. And by that, I mean, uh, just as our physical DNA predicts our eye color, lack of hair, you know, whatever, right. um, your personality DNA, your, your essence doesn't change after age eight, in most cases. And it defines whether you're going to be creative or super attention to detail or OCD or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If I understand your DNA, which you can't just interview, tell me your DNA that you have to interview to get at DNA. Uh, it's highly predictive because it does not change, right? So that is – the book has a chapter on this and basically walks through how you figure out someone's DNA. But the point is most people focus on things that are not predictive. Even 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 Google stopped looking at GPAs because they went back and they said, this isn't telling us anything. Right. All right. Okay. Number two. Number that's, two. That's number one. Number two. Um, big mistake is – so now you know what you're looking for. You know the DNA. Where are we finding candidates? Most people will do what I call post and pray. So they write online job specs and they throw them on the job boards. Right. And, and then they hope that it's going to work. And, and that actually does work quite well when you have 5 or 10 or 15% unemployment. When you're at 2% for college educated, they're not looking on the job boards. No. The number one way to find candidates, which goes back to the earlier topic, 
is your employee referral program. It should generate 50% of your hires. For most companies, it's at 20%. So it's a big magnitude. These are your fastest hires, your cheapest hires, your best hires. They stay longer. They work better. It's the holy grail of recruiting. I do a whole presentation on that sometimes because it's most companies, it's pretty bad. It also doesn't matter how much you pay. Again, Google doubled how much they paid, and it didn't move the needle. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yep. The last thing, again, I don't know if it's a secret, is the step that 91% of companies skip, which is the test drive. So most people interview, and their interviews stink, but they interview, they find their winner, they're like, oh, we found our CFO, we found our head of marketing. Interviews are notoriously misleading. A great interview is not necessarily a great performer or a great candidate. But if you add the test drive, which is a two-hour to two-day real-world exercise where you give the the, uh, candidate, your finalist, an assignment, you see how they perform, the questions they ask, how they think, their judgment, even can they follow the rules, can they spell, Um, you, you get a much better insight into that person. And so I work with clients and we create a different test drive for each role and it scales incredibly well. You'll find people that did great in the interviews totally blow it in the test drive and vice versa. I I have candidates where I'm like, ah, they were kind of introverted. They were kind of wet handshake, but they kick ass in the test drive, right? Yes. So it really does change your, your opinion. And unfortunately, most people don't do it. It is the number one most predictive step in recruiting. So, uh, quick practical question. Um, so, you've done a number of interviews. Uh, you think you might have a candidate. You're all set for the test drive. Uh, the practical question is this: Is this a, a compensated test drive? Or uh, it's, a, it's a great question. So, if a, if a candidate hesitates, a candidate you're serious about, you can say, "I'm happy to even pay you for your time. I, I don't want your free work." If a candidate says. I don't want to do all that work. You're going to get my free. I don't care about the work. I want to see you in action. So if I have to pay you for a day of your time, that $1,000 or whatever it might be pales in comparison to the hundreds of thousands of dollars for a bad hire, right? Right. If it helps me avoid one hiring mistake, it it pays for itself. Now, by the way, I've almost never had a candidate take my check because they just, they're like, I'm not that petty. I'm, I'm, well, and, and I wasn't asking out of pettiness, but I, I know that California, for example, has some of the strangest labor laws in the country. And so yeah. I, I was wondering about the practicality of that. So just pay them. It's, it's not worth nickel and diming if it helps you avoid a bad, a bad hire. Um, so l- 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 let me ask you um, uh, one more question. Then I'm going to toss to Dale. Uh, so a number of years ago, I, I bumped into this guy named James Archer, and I wrote about him and the company that he founded with a thirty thousand dollar loan against his IRA, and built into a half a half billion dollar a year company, and sold for almost a billion dollars. A remarkable guy. And nobody ever left his company. Once, once somebody was hired, they, they had this, these amazing engagement scores, amazing productivity numbers. I mean, so I had to go in and study. And so I asked him what his secret was. Again, what's, what's the magic? Yeah. And he said, well, here, he said, let me tell you what we do down here. He said, we hire hard and you manage easy. Uh, is there an application there? He told us that they would often hire uh, interview eight or ten times. It's almost like the test drive, yeah. uh, putting people in a wide variety of situations. Is is that applicable? Yes and no. I well, first of all, I agree with his mindset. Right, if you find the right people, managing them and leading them is pretty easy. Right. When it comes to recruiting, um, let's separate the two. Right interviews versus the test driver seeing them in action. Yes. The more you can see them in action, the better, right? And reference yep. checking is part of that. 
hearing about the person and how they did in in action is way better than sitting in a in a white room with a window and doing an interview. So the optimal number of interviews, again, Google has studied it because they study yes. everything, is four. Four interviews gives you the Mac the optimal number, uh, optimal amount of information. You get only one percent more accurate with every additional interview where you add after four. Wow. So I work with my clients. We always do four interviews. One is, and this is in the book too, one is a, a career history, what you'd expect. Yep. Other three are DNA, all about yep. DNA. So yep. prove to me for an hour that you are whatever, you know, attention yes. to detail or fearless or whatever it might be. And after four, you should have done your interviews. Now move to the test drive. But okay. I agree with him totally. I, you're just a fount of uh, incredible information. I've learned so much. I know that Dale's pro- sitting there probably with the questioners. He, he wants to jump in with something. I can read it in his eyes. Dale? Well, Let's I was going to say, Dale. if you could tell a story of a test drive that was really successful for you, just so people can understand the framework yeah. of, of how it works and, and get an example so they can say, oh, yeah, I know how I could do that. Absolutely. So this is not that long ago. I was doing a CFO search, chief financial officer. We had a finalist who, on paper, was amazing. Top school, a couple of IPOs under his belt, et cetera, CPA. Uh, interviews, flawless, right? Nailed every question, firm handshake out of central casting, the glasses, everything. Gave him a test drive, which in this case was giving him last quarter's financials with very little guidance. Here's the financials. Come back, do an analysis, put the board package together for our next venture capital presentation. And he's thrilled. He's like, oh, that sounds fun and happy to do it. Gave him a week, gave him very clear instructions. Came back with 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 a, a deck that the story didn't make sense. The analysis wasn't really that that spot on. There were mistakes, wow. like financial mistakes, math mistakes. Um, wow. And then he presented it, and I'm like, there, there was no substance to it. This was a suit, a smoke and mirrors. He was... You know, out of central casting, perfect, but completely bombed the test drive, instilled no confidence in me. And again, let's be clear. In a test drive, you're not looking for the answers because they don't have right. – that. the candidate doesn't know enough about your business. You're looking for how they think, their judgment, their ability to ask questions, um, attention to detail, things that they should have. And this guy bombed, and we avoided a great uh, – what it would have been a huge mishire. And just think of how gnarly – financially, I mean, that could have turned out to be. Oh, my God. And that's the same for a sales rep who's going to be amazing in an interview. You put him in front of prospective customers. He's terrible. You lose those prospective customers forever. They are never coming back. Even when you replace him with the better sales rep, you've, you've lost the opportunity. So every person in your company is an ambassador of your company. It's a representative of your company. And I think, to your example earlier, Jason, a guy like that that you described with that yes. mindset, we hire hard, handpicks every person. The the hard part is as a business scales. Yes. A players hire B players, B hire players hire C players. People just start settling, and no one gets rid of C players, and, and it just the whole thing turns to shit so quickly. I have enjoyed this so much. I have learned so much in these few minutes together, and right. I see I see Dale nodding his head. So, Dale, do you want to do you want to bring it home and do the summary? Sure. Well, 
I have an extensive set of notes here, and I was, I was, uh, I've got about seven things. So if, if listeners want to grab a piece of paper, I'm going to summarize this really quick uh, on the big takeaways uh, out of this conversation. Number one, we have always got to be recruiting as business owners and keep that pipeline full. Number two, you talked about this idea of the board. It starts with the board. Fish rots from the head, smells from the head, but it really starts at the board level. And if you're a small business, have a group of advisors around you who can be looking Looking to recruit all the time. Evaluate your time. I love this. You can either micromanage your C and B players, spend 50% of your time micromanaging your C and B players, or you can spend that time getting your A players on board. And then the, the three pieces out of the book, focus on things. Uh, don't focus on things that are non-predictive of success. You got to focus on the DNA, the personality, and you get to know them through the interview process. That was a, a great start. Uh, don't post and pray. With <laughs> have a really good referral program uh, to recruit those folks that come in. And then 91% of companies don't test drive their, their potential employees before the hire. And that is an easy thing to do. I know a lot of this stuff sounds so common sense. Uh, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, Jason. But in this case, it is just common sense. It's what most companies don't do. And when you do what most don't, you get results that others don't as well. So test drive to a two-hour or a two-day exercise before you actually hire. And, uh, you know, those are, those are the, the high-level takeaways for this that were really helpful. Jeff, I've got to ask you, doesn't Dale do a great job of distilling all this information? We could have just had him write the book and do the interview. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's, it's the expertise. So, all right. Uh, it's the, uh, the one thing I'll add is that you're right. This stuff is not rocket science. I'm no rocket scientist, but I've done it for 25 years, a lot of gray hair to show for it. It is time consuming, mm -hmm. right? And so people are busy, so they settle. They settle for B players because it's hard to find a rock star. It's hard to interview. It's hard to assess, hard to do the reference checks. So they take chances. They settle. And then they wonder why one out of two new hires is gone within 18 months. One out of two. It's terrible. That's I love expensive. the title. I love the title. I recommend it. Recruit Rockstars, the 10-step playbook to find the winners and ignite your business. Dale, I'll let you uh, bring us home. Fantastic. All right. Thank you both so much. This was a fantastic podcast. And we're going to remind folks that you can subscribe to this podcast, The Game Changers. Also, go out and find Jeff's podcast as well. Jeff, one more time, the name of your podcast? Yes, it's The Strong Suit Podcast. And you can get that on the iTunes store. And every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about recruiting and talent. Fantastic. All right. Thank you both so much for that. And uh, you can subscribe to The Game Changers. Really easy for you to do. Just go to jason-jennings.com slash iTunes. You sub can subscribe right there in the iTunes store. We would love to have you. Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today calls one of the top three most in-demand business speakers in the world. Learn how to book Jason for your next event at jason-jennings.com. This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.